From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, it's another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Group therapy for the paranormally affected. There we go. I, I, I couldn't remember it for a second, so <laughs> I just, uh, just kind of stuck my hand out there and hoped for the best, and there we go. Uh, yeah, this one, that's what our show is really kind of turning into, so I, I, I do like that. If you have a real ghost story, you can write into us, 855-853-4802 is our phone number for you to call in and share your real ghost story with us. Uh, or you can, of course, write in on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. While you're there, check out our store. Got some fun Real Ghost Stories Online swag for you, including this really creepy, snuggy-esque looking thing that uh, has our logo on it and I think it'd be great to wear around the house maybe on roller skates in the middle of the night uh, it'd look like you're hovering down the hall that wouldn't scare our kids at all that wouldn't scare children by any means so uh, check that out while you're there and of course if you want that bonus episode of the show give us some love on iTunes uh, provide a review there of the show and email me back the username that you used and I'll email you back a link to our bonus episode uh, my email address that you send that to is Tony T-O-N-Y at Real Ghost Stories online.com on today's show lots of follow-up from some of the past things that we've talked about uh including some advice for it was richard correct in, in chattanooga, in chattanooga. Yeah. Uh, we got some insight there for you richard so we'll uh, we'll talk about some of those things and of course uh, your calls your letters i believe cisco has a uh, call on today's show Yay. so we will get to all of that here at real ghost stories Online. Uh, we'll start out with a uh, letter. This comes into us from Nancy, and this is uh, directed towards Richard uh, in Chattanooga. Who I'm going to give a brief synopsis of kind of what his calls were in case someone had missed it. Well, we started out talking about um, his home being haunted, and there was uh, a, an instance, or uh, probably multiple instances, where he's woken up and like all the drawers and all the cabinet doors are open or pulled out. Um, the there's been toys that have been doing things on their own. Um, it's, it seems to be a demonic presence that's taking over their house. Uh, we talked about it, and everybody seems to be on board believing it was already there when they moved into the mm-hmm. house because he'd sensed dread the first time he entered. Yeah. Um, and it seems to really just be wreaking havoc with his whole family. He's got kids there. Um, they're not in a situation where they can actually just take off or, or move suddenly and you know I don't know many people that could do that sure plus you know he seems to be very kind-hearted and he doesn't want to burden somebody else and their possible children with this house and mm-hmm. everything that it contains so he's he, he just his last call to us he sounded different than his previous call he sounded really really just emotionally and and physically exhausted and I'm sure it's just really wearing so my heart just really went out to him and I was hoping we could get some advice so Nancy wrote in Richard it sounds like you have a poltergeist to me the fact that it is affecting your daughter's home assuming for the time frame you gave us that they're in their teenage years is a big clue poltergeist activity is usually linked to the crazy emotions that young females go through we had poltergeist activity when my older sister and I were both teenagers though not a as severe as what you're going through. Eventually, it just stopped. I wish I could say, just wait it out, but that's not going to help uh, in your case right now. 
As for what is affecting uh, the poltergeist activity, it's a crapshoot. Smelling the sulfur does not always mean it's a demon, but it is definitely a very negative entity. I don't know what your belief system is, but uh, being, as you said, you had the house blessed, I'm going to be the assumption that you are a Christian of some sort. Blessings don't always get rid of entities that are already existing in the location, though it can help sometimes. I would recommend looking into different uh, shamans or people who have dealt with extreme cases successfully and see if they'd be willing to cleanse the house. House again. As for what to do in the meantime, stay calm. It's a terrifying situation, and I'm sure it's causing a lot of stress and emotion, which is not helping matters. When activity picks up or emotions are running high, everyone who is being affected should stop, take a few deep breaths, and do the white light exercise. And she put a link up uh, on uh, on YouTube if you want to check what that is. Um, I do this whenever things get stirred up in my house. Imagine it filling the whole room and forming a protective barrier. It sounds crazy, but it really has helped me in the past. I wish I could be of more help to you, but I hope the white light will give you some peace until you find a permanent solution. Best of luck. I'm sending love and light your way to you and your family. Well, you know, I think at this point it wouldn't hurt to try it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to endorse or not endorse anything that anyone suggests here because I don't know what will or will not work. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It's just supposed to be at this point kind of a sounding board for people to shoot ideas out. Yeah, I mean, it's completely up to you what you want to do there, there, Richard. Um, Again, like I said, I'm not going to endorse one thing or the other because I don't know what would or would not work. I mean, some of our insight there seemed to make sense. And I've heard that many times in the past of the poltergeist thing with with the teenage girls and all the emotions. And, oh, I can't wait for another (laughs) 10 years in our house. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be sooner than that. Amityville. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Or less than that. Um. Bella Angel writes in, please note that many psychotherapists know little about how to uh, integrate the paranormal into psychotherapy. If you're struggling with hard life issues as well as paranormal incidents, it's best to find a therapist who is comfortable in this area. And it's absolutely okay to inquire specifically in this regard. Blessings. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Um, And another person, uh, Sassy Southern Chick, says, I know that many times people suggest a Catholic church to turn to in this type of situation. I suggest going to a Pentecostal church. Most are very open to embrace these situations as real and will come in to anoint your home with oil and cast out bad spirits. And before anyone makes any disparaging remarks, I'm not talking about extremists, snake handling churches. I'm talking about uh, the full gospel Pentecostal church. I really think they could offer you some help. Again, another good thing to try. I think that's not a bad uh, idea at all. It's interesting. I remember um, I grew up Lutheran and uh, I remember my church. um, It was just it was a very not a very extreme church by any means or the stretch of the imagination. It was, uh, I believe, Missouri Synod Lutheran. These are your church basement lady type people. That's the type of church. Northern Norwegian type folks. That's that's what I grew up around. Um, But I remember. uh, as a kid, they would sometimes have like people that would like come in and, and talk about paranormal things. Like it wasn't like during the church service, but it was like, hey, we have so and so ghost investigator or whatever that's going to uh, be, you know, having a little meeting in whatever room. And if you're interested, and it was more so kind of like a, 
human curiosity type thing, not like a preaching thing by any means. Okay. But it was just interesting that, you know, having a church talk about those sort of things. I remember one where they did talk about Ouija boards and things of that nature. I was too little to go to it. But I remember my mom and my aunts discussing because they went to it, I believe, and then talked about, oh, how interesting that was. (laughs) <laughs> I wonder if it bothered them since they had used a Ouija board. I don't know. Um, uh, I, I could see it possibly. I and mean, they, uh, the story that my mother has, and we can ask her about this on tomorrow's show. We should. Uh, when she's in here, because um, my parents will be joining us for some episodes. They're coming to visit us. They don't know this yet, but they're going to be on the show. They're if, going to. If they want to see their grandchildren, they're going to be on the show. Jeez, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tony. <laughs> um. Uh, when when she was a kid, um, her and her sisters, my mom's the youngest, she has three other sisters, um, they, they did the Ouija board thing and they asked, what is uh, Holly going to get from her boyfriend for Christmas? Now, these are a bunch of little girls. It's spelled out R-I-N-G. I, that, you know, yeah. probably a fairly easy thing for some little girls to move the you know, planchette thing around to, to spell ring. But they all claim they didn't do it. So, I don't know. Leave it at that. Yeah, leave it at that. We'll, uh, we'll talk to her about that a little bit uh, tomorrow uh, here at Real Ghost Stories uh, online. Uh, Madge writes in, I was in high school when Oprah came through Lamar. Uh, so it was sometime between 2003 and 2007. We have lots of hunters in the area. So you're right, Tony. The shotgun shells just happened to be there. To my knowledge, there had never been any violent crimes in that hotel you were talking about. The town is teeming with meth heads and heroin users, though. So I'm guessing that's why there were locks on the doors. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, because when those people are high on that stuff, it's like they have superhuman hum- strength. It's like zombies. It's crazy. So when you were feeling, hey, we're preventing, we got this up here for the zombie apocalypse, you really weren't that far off. Uh, I, yeah. You were kind of just, it was just, you know, zombies that were meth heads and heroin addicts. That's Thanks all. for letting us know. I feel better knowing that there wasn't a horrible crime in that hotel or something. Yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> That was a beautiful city. They did have a Taco John's, didn't they? Didn't we they get did. The Taco John's? We ate there. I enjoy the Taco John's. Um, but what I, I, you know, I asked them, I asked them about the Apple Grandes. Does anyone else out there remember Taco John's Apple Grandes? This was a dessert that they had in like the 80s and some of the 90s. Um, I don't know. I, I think the last time I had one was probably like 2001-ish. Do you realize that the people you were asking probably weren't even born then? Oh, a lot of our listeners are... No, I'm talking about the people at Taco John's. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. The one I think our, I think our person who's taken our order was in their 30s. You think? I'm going to guess. I don't know. Or she just was a meth head, one of the two. Maybe. She could have aged rapidly. I would say most, most <laughs> of the ones that I saw were probably not even born yet at that time. Yeah. But she did know what I was talking about. She did? I said, do you guys have the Apple Grandes anymore? She's like, oh no, those are really good. So. That or she just said that. Or she was just bullshit. Yeah. But um, I do miss the Apple Grande from Taco John's. If anyone knows of it, Taco John's somewhere in the country that still has them, I will fly there and get one. <laughs> <laughs> I just want an Apple Grande. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Nina M. writes in, thanks for reading my comment. Jenny, you have a really, uh, you asked a really good question there. Uh, what do you do when an entity like that won't leave you alone? I honestly don't know what to do. I used to carry on like nothing was wrong because it was my job. I needed to uh, be uh, in that part of the building, and unless I could find another job where they were willing to train me to do work, I was kind of stuck there. What is this in reference to? 
I don't remember all the details, but I remember the story. It was, there was um, some sort of entity and it's like the more she ignored it, the more it tried to pester her. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think I was also very naive at the time. I'd never heard of a shadow people until in my late twenties. And at that point I was only 22. Uh, like most of us just assumed it was a human spirit. Stories went around about that he, where he, where he had come from, uh, that uh, it was a little tale and it sounded very plausible, but I researched it and couldn't find anything to validate the story. Not without paying for access to town records anyway. Anyhow, I did uh, get a new job and I've been working at it. About two years ago, uh, we took another guy uh, to where I work uh, who also used to work in that place and I never met him while uh, I was there and he started after I left. But one day, out of curiosity, I asked him what he thought of the projection rooms there and he said to me, cool, but really creepy. I didn't like being alone down there. The air just felt too heavy. I just smiled and nodded knowingly. Yeah. As in, she was, it was a theater. I think so, I yeah. I remember that story yeah. Yeah, it was a while back. So uh, there you go. There's some follow-up on some uh, things that we've talked about. Uh, actually, I have one more piece of follow-up from some things we've talked about. Hi, Jenny and Tony. Uh, Tony read a story of mine recently about sleep paralysis and why I don't uh, agree about it being the mind playing games in us. Here are some stories about the house I grew up in. I had come up with three different stories, but since uh, number three seems to make you feel uncomfortable, I added one more short story. Uh, I also hope you enjoy them, and I swear all these are true. We've talked about a lot of sleep paralysis stories, so let's see if we can narrow down what sleep paralysis story this was. Okay. I was uh, probably in my early teens, and my sister is two years older. One early morning, I had woken up to get ready for school. I turned on the light that was between my sister's bed and my bed. I stretched, still lying, laying down, and looked onto the opposite wall away from my sister's bed. There I saw the shadow of something rising from the bed into a sitting position. I watched as a shadow stretched with hands upward and then got up and disappeared. I turned to talk to my sister and see where she went, but uh, she was still asleep. The lamp between my bed and my sister's bed was casting a shadow off my bed and not my sister's. When I realized that it wasn't my sister I had seen, I ran downstairs to where my mother was and left my sister sleeping. Another time I was much younger, I was playing with my cat. It was New Year's Eve night. She, the cat, ran up the stairs to the second floor, which was rented out to a couple uh, who were friends of my parents. They were not home. I ran up the stairs after the cat without even the slightest thought about it. Got to the top of the stairs and it caught a cat uh, and it caught the cat and a male figure passed through the door right in front of me at the top of the stairs. He was translucent and shoulder length with wavy hair. Uh, he was wearing a green sweater with brown pants. He seemed to be interested in what was going on. He leaned over the rail to see what the cat and I were doing. I got so scared that I closed my eyes and came down the stairs holding my cat and sliding down on my butt, afraid I would trip and fall if I attempted to stand up and try to run instead. The same house, which my parents moved us into when I was six years of age, was always very spooky to me. No one ever believed what I saw in the house. If I were outside and looked at the windows, I'd usually see someone looking back at us, no one in particular, sometimes small young people, and other times tall adults. I can't recall how many times I told my dad that I saw someone staring at me while he worked in the garage. And he ran into the house with uh, some sort of tool to use it as a weapon, and he never found 
anyone. The house, years later, my parents uh, tried to rent out, and no one ever stayed there long. My ex-husband, his oldest daughter, and our oldest daughter stayed in there the longest after my parents moved out. They lived on the bottom floor and rented the upstairs. The children who lived upstairs had imaginary friends, but soon these friends were walking, uh, were waking up the children in the middle of the night and scaring them. The tenants moved out. When my parents first bought the house, they used to send my sister and I to play in the basement on rainy days. It was a huge area with an earth floor, a bit scary, but we stayed there a few times playing. My first memory of seeing an entity was in the basement. I found that once I got comfortable down there, I would start hearing a humming. When I looked up from whatever we were playing with, uh, with to search for the hum, I found it to come from the very front of the house, the opposite of the basement stairs. When I focused to see what was there, I would... See, uh, I would now call a coven. Uh, there was a group of about eight people, all dressed in white hooded garments and flowed to the ground. They held hands and chanted while circling clockwise in front of me. Of course, my sister never saw anything, no matter how I tried to show them to her. I would usually run upstairs with my sister following me. So the coven, she just, it was, it was like a ghostly coven. It wasn't like real people. Yeah. Okay. That's creepy. Uh, about a year or so uh, later, after my first encounter with these entities, my father poured concrete in the basement floor, and I was able to be there for as long as I wanted with no problem. It was only years later that I made that association. I still hear the humming when there is something wanting me to know it's there, usually not an entity I want around me. Okay, I remember the story about hearing the humming. I do too. So that's that's the one that it was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those cases where I agree. Now that I kind of have a little more backstory on that, uh, I agree it's probably not just your mind playing tricks on you. You have a haunted house. Uh, so when the sleep paralysis stuff happens, it's usually not just your mind playing tricks on you. Yeah. You know, it's one of those situational things. I always say that with the sleep paralysis, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it, it could be, you know... Uh, just your mind, and other times it's it's something else. It could be. It's like the carbon monoxide. Yeah, yeah. It where could, it's situational. It could either be that, or it could be a haunting. Exactly, and I I could see that. It would be the, the freakiest thing of everything she just talked about there. I think was where she said that uh, the blankets rose up by themselves. Then her sister wasn't there. Yeah, I think that would freak. I don't know. I I don't know how I would ever, as a child, go back to sleeping in that room. I think I would just throw a holy hell fit every night I had to go to bed and I would just sleep in the hallway if I had to. think so. I was a very, very persistent child uh, when it came to arguing with my parents. Is that why you're an only child? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. But um, if I believed I was right on something, I mean, I would argue to the death. I mean, I would, it would just wear them down until they just gave up. <laughs> so... I could see that uh, that being, you know, uh, something I would do if if that happened. Because I know I get the, oh, Tony, you're just seeing things. No. no. <laughs> I know when I'm seeing things. I, you know, when I saw Michael Jackson standing in my house, you know, from Thriller, after I watched the, the zombie, you know, music video, I attributed to I was seeing things and freaked out. But if the thing rose up on its own, I'd be I'd be done. Yeah. I would be done. Uh, 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear it. Let's go to one of those calls. Hi, you are on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. This is Marianne. I've written to you guys um, a few times, but I wanted to share my scary story. Well, as a young child, I have always had sleep paralysis happen to me, and I don't remember it being so scary as 
when I was a kid. But, well, this happened to me about two years ago, but I fell into the sleep paralysis state. And like this time it was weird because I was like laying on my back and then all of a sudden I could hear like a, somebody crawling on the ground because you know how like all the rustling of like the carpet. Well, I started hearing that and like I started getting really freaked out, but there's nothing I could do about it. And then after that, all of a sudden, like I heard it sounded as like a little kid, like how they play shoot guns, how they go pew, pew. I heard that like behind this, um, like a curtain that I had like right next to my bed. And it happened for about five minutes and it was just really scary. Um, I've dealt with this for a long time and I, um, I've asked my grandpa about it because he had that happen to him and he kind of told me a little bit about it but he asked me to ask my aunt more about it because she dealt with it longer. She's like my great aunt but she actually just like passed away and I wasn't able to ask her information about it but I just wanted to share a little bit about my stories and I love you guys. I listen to you guys every day at work. And I've gotten a lot of my friends and family on to you guys. But thanks. Keep up the great work. You guys are so awesome. I love you guys. Thanks. Bye. A family that gets scared together stays together. That's right. So thank you for uh, for sharing uh, your uh, uh, your story with us and for sharing our show with your family. That, yeah. uh, that helps out quite a bit. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Make sure you press the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Uh, believe it or not, that not only helps you because you get all of our episodes as they are released. Uh, you don't have to keep searching us and trying to find the latest episode or this or that. They're all going right to you. Uh, it also helps us out uh, quite a bit, helps us in those search rankings and such, so when people are looking for the show they can uh, find us easier and you get more ghost stories as we tell them here at Real Ghost Stories Online because more people are sharing them. So another caller at 855-853-4802. Hi. Hey Tony, hey Jen. Uh, just calling back again, it's Griffin. I called in yesterday uh, about when I almost got in a car accident yesterday and had some stuff happen, it's not really sure when this will will air for you guys. Not sure how many calls you guys are getting a day. It sounds like you guys are getting a bunch, and it's awesome. Love all the stories that are coming in. I just wanted to call back in now that I'm a little bit more common collected uh, because just had a few things, uh, suggestions, some comments to go over. Uh, one thing is, if you guys if you guys do a Halloween special where you bring up old episodes, I love the idea of you guys putting a new commentary with it because honestly, it is so boring when they do revamps of old episodes, and you're just like, well, I've seen all of this, but new commentary would be great. My suggestion would be maybe if you could guy if you guys could uh, call in the people that had written the stories that you guys are bringing back have them maybe have a bench with them over to the commentary about their own story, get some more insight into it, get more details and stuff like that. Obviously, it's hard to get all that arranged and everything, but if it's going to be a special, maybe you could do do it on the side. Uh, just a small suggestion. Also, today's episode, uh, you had another caller come in, had a shadow figure following them, 
and it seemed to give them depression and anxiety and seemed a little bit much harsher than my own condition. But I find it very interesting that it does really seem that when we get into these lumps of depression is when we get all these hauntings. Uh, and like you said, it's kind of chicken and the egg, but maybe I'm kind of leaning towards what Tony was saying that when we get depressed, it kind of opens us up more to the aspect of haunting and getting affected by these different things. And once we're into that circle, it just kind of winds us up. So when, when we get the haunting, it's just depression then haunting, which causes more depression, which opens us up more for hauntings. And it's just kind of an endless cycle until we kind of calm down, figure it all out. Um, and actually I, one of the things that the show has done is because I called in yesterday, right when I got that incident happening with me, it, it's really subsided. It's almost like me calling it out to a public, even though it's just a phone call, it, it's kind of like fighting it off just by announcing that I know it's there and that I'm not really afraid of it. I've never been afraid of it. I've never given signs of that, but just, saying it out loud to an audience, it seems to have subsided it quite a bit, just even in the, in the day after. So besides that, guys, I uh, just love being a part of this pair-affected anonymous group that we've now got going on. Everyone's got their own stories. Everyone's coming together, uh, really bringing their own aspects, their own perspectives. And this show is really helping out a lot of people. And now it's even helping me out. So thank you guys so much for doing this. Hope you guys keep up the great work. But Paraffected Anonymous. There's another. I like that. I like that one too. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story. I like the idea of uh, of revisiting some of our stories and maybe getting in touch with some of them. I want to talk to the zombie uh, uh, zombie clown. That's Oscar in Dallas. Oscar, I think uh, I think he gave us his contact info. A yeah, while back, so. we know. We're gonna go through every Oscar in Dallas until we find you. Just got the phone book. We like. Are you the one with the the zombie clown? Zombie clowns. What does that mean to you, Oscar in Dallas? Yeah. So I'm sure there's there's a shortage of Oscars in Dallas. <laughs> I know. That's why I said that's it. It's a very uncommon name there. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I think we do have his contact info. So I would uh, Oscar. We may be reaching out to you in the near future. Um, I think that, that's kind of. What I'd like to do is, I think it may, maybe a mixture of you know of, of news stories. Of course, we're going to have a ton of those throughout the the month of October, and that's really what we're going to do every day. But um, for for Halloween, maybe the week of Halloween, I'm thinking doing some extended episodes where they're a bit longer, um, mixtures of news stories, and revisiting. I think some of the best calls that we've had of the year, and maybe some of the best stories that we've had of the year as well. And it's not going to be us grabbing the old tape and playing it. I mean, it will be either reread if it's a story, um, you know, or if it's a call, we're just gonna, we'll replay the call. Maybe uh, if we can't get in contact with the caller, maybe have them reiterate the story where right where we can sit there and conversate about it as, yeah, uh, as the story is going on. But uh, we're going to have a good October. Don't worry. There'll be plenty of stories. To- Halloween's our favorite holiday, so we're not going to let it just slip by. There's no way. Plenty of stories to freak you and yours out with. It'll be it'll be great fun for the whole family. So uh, that's uh, that's exciting stuff that's coming up here at Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call with your Real Ghost Story. Again, 855-853-4802. 
two. Uh, let's go to a letter. This one's coming in to us from Casey. Casey writes in, like most people who listen to your amazing show, I've been experiencing the supernatural since a very early age and have lots of stories regarding the supernatural. One of the creepiest things that I've had happen to me was when I was about 15 years old and was volunteering at a local historical society in the area of northwestern Ohio. The museum was split into two separate sections. The first part was a Victorian home, and the second was a two-story exhibit and research center. I volunteered every Sunday at the museum, as I had been doing since I was 11. The day was cold, gloomy, late winter's afternoon. It was getting close to the time when I would start closing up the museum, and we had no visitors. There was just one other volunteer there with me that day. She was an elderly lady who had spent the entire day at the front desk knitting. She was not very friendly and did not want to talk or get up since she had bad knees. I spent most of the day reading a book but had grown restless. I really felt like I needed to just walk around so I decided that I would go up to the second floor of the center and look through one of the archival rooms. The room I decided to look through held clothing, paintings, and other items. The room was in the shape of a large square. There were racks set up to hold all of the artifacts in a large clothing rack. It had no windows and only one door at the far center of the room. The door was massive and very heavy. It was impossible to not make noise when opening or shutting it. I unlocked the door, turned on the lights, and went inside to explore. I wandered down through the aisles and ended up in the far corner opposite the door looking at old violins. I picked up one of the violins, and as I inspected it, that's when I thought I heard a man's voice mumbling from a few aisles over. Because this sort of thing always happens to me at the museum, I decided to ignore it and continue on with my inspection of the violin. It's only when I heard a second male voice answer back in another louder mumble that I stopped and looked up. Almost immediately after my head snapped up, the first voice said to the second, in a loud hiss, Shut up, she hears you. I stood for a moment, terrified, not sure how to react. I knew no one else was in that room since the door had been locked and no one had been in the museum since the Thursday before. I decided I needed to leave immediately. Nervously, I pretended that I heard nothing and slowly set down the violin and calmly and briefly as I could walk down the aisle, being sure to look down every row as I passed by. As I neared the end of the rows, and having seen no one in the room, I bolted to the door, slamming all the light switches off at once, and locked it. I ran downstairs and was scolded by the woman at the desk. When I told her what had happened, she just said it must have been my imagination, my imagination since she was the only other person on the property, and she most certainly did not sound like a man. I'm 28 now, and my flesh still crawls when I think about it. I love your show and listen to it as often as I am able. Keep up the good work and keep it coming. I'll try to work up the courage to call in and tell another one. But thank you for sharing my story. I think that's funny. Shut up, she hears you. Yeah. (laughs) I guess you're some crotchety old voice, you know, almost like grumpy old man. Shut up, she hears you. I know. That's funny. I just very scary, but that's just. That'd be I creepy. think that's funny. It made me think. She's talking. It's kind of like a local type museum. Mm-hmm. I remember um, there used to be a museum that I used to go to a lot, and it was kind of the go-to class field trip uh, near my hometown. I, we, we would go up to Oshkosh, you know, the big city, which is about the same size as Fond du Lac, which is where I grew up, and uh, we go to the uh, Oshkosh Museum, and it's in an old, old historic house. 
And uh, it's an interesting place. I mean, it talks about the Great Oshkosh Fire, which I thought everyone in the world knew about. You know, it's kind of around the time of like the Chicago Fire. Oh. Same sort of deal. Burned like the city down. Must have got overshadowed by Chicago. Yeah, somehow Oshkosh's fire was overshadowed by a Chicago figure. Okay. Uh, but uh, anyway, there's like stuff from that in there, and it's kind of interesting. But uh, that building was always rumored to be haunted. And I don't know the stories of what people have seen or what they haven't seen or anything. I just knew that going out, my mom was like, oh, this building's haunted, so you better look out. You know, and I thought that was awesome. So I'm always like looking around for the ghost and stuff. Um, but being a, a kid, the, the thing you naturally are looking for is, well, what's haunting it? What's going to be the logical explanation for this haunting? And in the basement of the, uh, the Oshkosh Museum... And I don't know if this is the basis for the haunting. I think my mind just kind of went here with it. They have a human skeleton um, from an Indian, a woman, I believe, that was like found on the property, I believe, like when they built the house or something. Or it was, I don't know. I don't know how the hell they got the skeleton, but it's like, and in a exhibit, it's kind of, it's creepy as hell. And you can see it. It's got like, you know, jewelry and stuff on. And um, it's, it's in the basement of the museum. I remember saying this, and I, thinking on this logically now, I can't necessarily say that it was from the property, because this was an old-ass house. Like, this house was a home before it became a museum. So I'm guessing the homeowners probably didn't have the skeleton in their basement. Um, so that just leads me, maybe the salt does tie together. I'm thinking you move the skeleton of someone into a museum, uh, you know, that was in the area, I think you could get a haunting out of it. That there you and, go. and you said it was of an Indian woman. Yeah, yeah. That that stuff. That above anything, you don't mess with that stuff. Any kind of Native American, you don't necessarily scares me. Museumize it. It doesn't scare me, but the idea of like burial grounds and moving that kind the of the idea stuff, of messing with bu- any burial grounds scares me, that's regardless what scares of me. who's buried there. Really, you know, I don't care where you're from or what you're hearing. Yeah, it's you just don't mess with that no. sort of stuff. At least on purpose, you know, or, or knowingly. I mean, it's like if you, you're digging up, you know, some land, like oh shit, there's a body here. I would just leave it be, you know. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think, yeah, let's put it in the Oshkosh Museum with that. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I don't know if that's... Uh, I'm sure there's somebody listening in Oshkosh or the area that uh, could shed some light on on what the haunting is there. But that could very well be it. You know, that fear that the, of the, the Native American burial ground thing goes back to this movie my dad used to watch when I was little. It was called Jeremiah Johnson. About It was when Robert Redford was like a mountain man. He was uh-huh. up in the middle of nowhere. And he was leading a group of people. And, and one of them insisted that they not go around this burial ground that they just go through it because it was a shorter distance. And it like, part of the storyline is they went through it and then when he returned home, he found like his wife and his child dead. <laughs> and he, you know, it was like a curse kind of thing. Based on a true story? No, okay. I don't think so. But it, it's a movie from the 80s that I remember watching countless times there with was so my many, dad. Was this like a theatrical movie or like a made-for-TV movie? No, this was an actual oh, really? movie movie. I was going to say, you know, I miss made-for-TV movies. You do? I really do because there were so many like good, I don't know, do they still do made-for-TV movies? Does, do those even exist anymore? I don't think they do. Other than like... 
I mean, like, network ones. I know, like, Lifetime has, like, their Lifetime originals. And I think Hallmark still does their Hallmark originals. But nobody does them on, like, ABC. It's not like the ABC Sunday night movie where it's a made-for-TV Sunday night movie funded by ABC. Do they still do miniseries movies? That may be the closest thing. I think those do exist from time to time. Because the all-time best movie ever was a miniseries, in my opinion. What, Lonesome Dove? Yes, yeah. Lonesome Dove. Yeah, I mean, they the times that I'm seeing miniseries pop up, uh, there's been some Stephen King miniseries. Okay. I think in somewhat recent... Mm-hmm. I can't think of what they are. The only one that comes to mind was Kingdom Hospital. Did you ever watch that? That was a Stephen King miniseries. I have it on DVD, and I've never watched it. It's like one of those things I bought on sale at the family video when they were getting rid of stuff. And I'm like, oh, it looks great. And I never watched it. No, I, I didn't. It's, it, sound, it looked really creepy and scary, but I've never... Stephen King stuff scares me, and most of it I don't watch. I Honestly, I, I used to watch some of the stuff back in the 80s, like It... Did things. you ever see Stand By Me? That was a Stephen King, but it wasn't... It, I think you would like it. These This group of boys, like in the 50s or early 60s, they set out searching for this kid that went missing, looking for his body, essentially. And no. they find it. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, that's a decent movie. It really yeah. is. I like the uh, the Salem's Lot. Oh, I hate Salem's Lot. But not Lot. the Rob Lowe version. The, uh, the original... Yeah, version with the the and it was kind of a hokey one, but you know, where they they the things are floating outside the windows. That's just a creepy ass scene. All right, I said creepy ass twice in this episode. You sure have. It's okay. Yeah, yeah there we go. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two with your real ghost story. Hi. How's it going, guys? So back in two thousand and eleven, I was living in New York City um, for college, and I was actually on my way out to Long Island with a couple of friends and my girlfriend. For a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so this was late November of 2011. On the way back from dinner, it was maybe 11.30 at night. And my friend who was from the area asked us if he wanted to visit a, an, abandoned, I'm sorry, an abandoned psychiatric center, I think near Brentwood, Long Island, which was called Pilgrim State. And we all said, sure, sure, let's go, you know, because we all, we all love the paranormal and, and things like that. We wanted to get you know, spooked out. So on our way back from from the dinner, we stopped by, get off this random road, and my friend just, he, he, he's having a hard time finding it. So we tried looking it up on the GPS and it's not coming up. So we ended up, we finally find it deep inside these woods, this wooded area. And it was a perfect night for this because it had really low fog and it was cold, you know, late November in New York. And we hit this area that was like, it, I remember seeing like three or four abandoned buildings. Uh, and we purposely never got it out of the car because we were just too scared. We didn't want anything to happen to any of us in case there was someone else out there. And this is past midnight because it took a while to get there. And I remember passing by this, or my friend was just driving past this, uh, this section of the, of the buildings where these two huge tall buildings were kind of like towering above us, but there was a small road, almost like an alleyway that went in between. I remember looking up and there's these open factory windows, like these huge windows at the top that were all cracked open, crushed, and had graffiti everywhere. So we ended up going around. We see all graffiti. We see a little light in the distance. It's hard to see because of the fog. And we all started getting really, uh, really scared, so we decided just to leave. Um, by the time we got back to Queens, 
which is about a 45-minute drive. Uh, we ended up getting dropped off. Uh, my roommate and I were pretty pretty dizzy. My girlfriend was also dizzy, and my friend who ended up taking us, when he got home, I texted him and he told me that he was dizzy himself. So we all kind of brushed it off, you know, thinking that it was probably what we ate for dinner. And I was getting ready for bed. And I'm starting to research uh, on Pilgrim State because I had never heard of it. And I'm in my dark room with my, the only light in the room is my cell phone. And I'm researching on my phone about, about Pilgrim State. And I found this website where people can write their stories about, about Pilgrim State when it was up and running. So a ton of people, former nurses, doctors, interns, whatever, uh, were giving reviews of the site. And down towards the end of the reviews or comments or whatever, there was this guy who said, please do not visit this area. Pilgrim State was built on top of a burial, burial ground of my native tribe out in, I think it was the Brentwood area of Long Island, like I said. So he just kept saying, please do not visit this area. A, our tribe finds this extremely disrespectful and we see it as, as, as a complete uh, disregard of our, of our ancestors. Please do not visit this area because it is known that they will visit you or they will follow you home. As soon as I read this, and I mean literally the next second after reading this, this guy's comment, I heard the loudest bang from my living room. I, I, I can't explain what it sounded like, but it sounded like getting a sledgehammer and slamming it against like a, a huge metal pot. And it just went. And I remember my roommate jumping up and saying, what the fuck was that? And I, I, just, I, was, I was so scared, I couldn't talk. I was just like, just shocked. I, I couldn't move, I couldn't say anything. And he just kept telling me, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I just, I just told him, I don't know, man, I don't know. And then I told him what I had read. And he was like, stop reading that shit, man. Stop reading that, you're, 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 you're bringing them into the house. And I just freaked out, I just freaked out. I, I couldn't think, and I don't know why, I couldn't stop reading the comments. And I kept reading that comment over and over and over. And I can't say anything appeared. I can't say it was an entity. I can't say that something followed us home. But further down the comments, other people had also commented that when they had visited the site, they had also gotten pretty dizzy. And it just, it was probably the freakiest thing that ever happened to me. Um, I, I can't say what it was. I can't say that something followed us home. But I do know for sure that I've never in my life been so scared as I was that night. Thanks. Thanks for uh, calling in and sharing your story of the uh, Pilgrim State Hospital. What, what did you find over there? Uh, just mainly a lot of pictures. It's it's a really big hospital. At one time, it was the uh, largest in the world. Really? When did it shut down? I don't know. Is it is it Pilgrim... Psychiatric Center? Is that what it was originally called? Wikipedia? Yeah, I think it is. This is a big... Or maybe not. This is a big gold building. I don't know if it's still... Isn't it fun when we Wikipedia things mid-show? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I don't think that's it. I think that's the, the new version of it. I think the, the psychiatric... Or the hospital uh, that... Uh, he is referencing uh, is uh, it's actually called Pilgrim State Hospital okay that's in uh, that is a creepy building I'm going to say for the third time 
creepy ass building. There you go. Uh, wow, there's some great creepy ass photos up four times uh, online of this place. Um, and it's really interesting that they all felt dizzy. Now, I could say the dizziness, I could see there being a gas leak of some sort in the building. Uh, but when you have all those things following you around and, you know, or just inhaling the fumes of, you know, rotting whatever is in there, the asbestos and such. Um, but when you have those things that follow you home and that, I, I believe it, that, you know, if it was built on something that shouldn't be there. I want to know after you heard that loud bang, if you had any other experiences. Or was that the end of it? Yeah. I don't know. It'd be a great place to go take photos. I'm looking at some of these online, and they are just creepy. Uh, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. We would absolutely love to hear uh, your real ghost story. If you'd like to share it with us uh, here at Real Ghost Stories Online, please press that subscribe button as well. That helps us out quite a bit, gets us more great real ghost stories to share with you every single week. And if anyone has any, uh, any other insight on the Pilgrim State Hospital visits or ghost stories, uh, do write in. This looks like a, a hotbed of uh, paranormal. Hi. Hello, Tony and Jen. It's Cisco. I have a great Ouija board story. Uh, it's very short. Um, my mother died in uh, February of 1976. Um, I had, I was 12, so I was just starting to try to get back into functioning as a normal person after something like that happens. I believe it was summer, uh, early summer. Uh, my neighbor had a pool, and they also had a daughter who was a couple years younger than I. And we were just killing a Saturday afternoon, and we were sitting out by the pool. And um, she brought out the stack of games. Isn't that always how it starts? <laughs> and, uh, hey, let's, let's do this Ouija board thing. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, in the back of my head, I never said it out loud, but I'm thinking, you know, maybe I can contact, you know, my mom, or, or at least see if she's okay. But I, I remember never saying it out loud because I didn't want to be made fun of, you know, as touchy subject. So we, she sat up the board, and I remember getting the towels and hanging them on the back of the chairs. You know, they were wet and all, and I'm watching her set it up, and she's telling me about it. And she goes, okay, well, you just sit down and you put your fingers here on the, the plachette, and, um, you know, we start asking questions. And she's talking about who she wants to talk to and, um, you know, calling Elaine Marilyn Monroe or whatever it was. I honestly don't remember who she was going to call up. And I sat down, and we're sitting at a little round table with, you know, your normal little lawn chairs. And the pool was not huge, but it was a long rectangular one. It had a little diving end, very modest for, I guess, the 70s suburbs. And um, we're sitting at the shallow end uh, on that concrete uh, sidewalk part. And I sit down in the chair, and she, I said, well, what are you doing? You know, she said, well, you put your fingers here. And as soon, and I promise you, <laughs> as soon as I put my fingers on that facet, it started to move. And it did kind of a real quick zigzaggy kind of motion on the board. And I looked at her, and she looked at me. We were both just astonished. We are just sitting, not saying anything, just looking at each other. And all of a sudden, it shot out 
I didn't feel any push. I didn't feel anything. It just flew out from underneath their fingers. And it just went across the board, across the table. And now it's not even hitting once it got off the table. Lands in probably the end of where the shallow end is, where the deep end is starting on the top of the water. And we're just watching and not saying anything. And I look at this question. Now, looking back at it, you would think if you've ever skimmed stones or skipped stones, rather, you throw them and they kind of hop and glide across the water till they sink. This did not do that. It hit the top of the water and it was just like something pushed it down. And you could see the bubbles uh, shooting out around it, you know, like something is forced oxygen making the bubbles or whatever, forced air, excuse me, making the bubbles as it went down. And then it got about halfway and then it just kind of glided. It did that little zigzaggy glide till it, till it hit. Now this is plastic. I'm thinking, wouldn't that have floated, you know, or had some resistance? But she looked at me and we're looking there and looking back at each other and just, did we see what we just saw? And I was the first to break the silence and I looked at her and I said, well, I'm going to guess that somebody doesn't want one of us touching that board. So I'm not going in after it. And I think that thing sat there till her dad fished it out with the net, you know, a week ago, a week later or two weeks later or whatever. I didn't go in after it. She didn't go in after it. And I haven't touched a Ouija board since. And learning what I've learned since then, some odd 40 years into uh, what I've learned and tried to uh, find out about all this stuff, I'm glad. I'm really glad. So there's my Ouija board story. Have a wonderful evening. Blessings to all. I think mom didn't want you to play with the Ouija board. That's interesting. Hearing uh, a story of, of something paranormal stopping you from playing with the Ouija board. Cisco doesn't disappoint with her stories. No, that's, she that's never good. does. That's that's really good. Um, I, that's an angle I never thought I'd hear or yeah, can't really think up. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. The real ghost story that you'd like to share with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Did you ever know anyone who played with a Ouija board as a kid? No. Did you ever see a Ouija? Did you even know what it was as a kid? No, not really. No? Uh-uh. Huh. I wonder if it's like a... If it's uh Are Ouija boards geographic, I wonder? You know, are there certain areas of the country where there, there's more hotbeds of Ouija boards than others? Seriously. I don't know. You know I, I just don't know. Because, I mean, I always knew what it was growing up. And I knew... I never had one, but I knew what they were. Yeah. And I think other kids knew what they were, too. I just... I really wonder if that's something to do with... Uh, Geography. There's a certain, you know, I guess, you know, cultures, if you will, or areas of the country where that's a more common thing. Because we grew up in, for our listeners who don't know, completely different parts of the country. I'm from the north, and you're from the south. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know anybody that had one that was, I was friends with. Um, in Texas, I, I don't know. Yeah. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. Another call. Let's go to it. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. How's it going? This is David. Um, I want to say thank you for using me on uh, on your show. Uh, I was stoked you even uh, had me my story down as the title of your show, The uh, Roommate uh, Ghosts. Um, 
That was great. Uh, but you wanted me to call back and follow up on that about um, did it happen when he was there? It did. Uh, weird things, where, which before I saw that apparition, weird things happened. And there'd be times it'd be dark and I'd walk to the kitchen and I'd just feel like there's somebody right next to me and, you know, just freaky stuff. But I never thought it was a ghost or anything like that. Because um, I'd really never had that much of a uh, well that's not true I've actually had a pretty intimate encounter before and I'll tell you about that on another call but the little girl what we believe is Tony the roommate he lost his daughter Contessa was her name she died from some horrible disease at like five years old and uh, the, uh, the paranormal researchers were saying that they believe it was there was some relation and so Tony said, yeah, that's, that's my daughter, Contessa. But as far as the Hispanic gentleman that I saw, um, that goes back to the house a lot earlier from what they said, um, like back the, on the land, like 60 plus years earlier. So yeah, it was one heck of an experience. And uh, again, thanks a lot for uh, <laughs> playing my thing. That was awesome to hear. And um, I'll call in uh, next time with another awesome story for you guys. All right. Take care. Because my memory is horrible, refresh me what his story was about. Okay. He and his girlfriend had a roommate. I believe it was his girlfriend, maybe his wife. But either way. Um, And the roommate lived with him, obviously. And at one point, they got home and he saw what he described as a four-foot Mexican guy walk through his living room. Or walk from one oh, from yeah, their yeah, yeah. room into the bathroom or something yeah. like that. But anyway, they saw him. And they thought it was a friend of the roommate, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, remember, he he had neighbors that were paranormal investigators. Do you remember that? Yeah, kind of. And uh, so they did some, some looking into it. Interesting. Well, yeah. thank you for calling and following up. We do appreciate that when you do that. So... And kind of, you know, put some closure on some of these stories because I always end up with so many questions after we're done with them. Um, 855-853-4802, the phone number again with your real ghost stories. Nathan writes in, this is a series of events that has happened to me this year. When I was younger, I had several experiences, including not being able to sleep with a feeling of dread when something was about to happen to someone I knew. This had not yet happened in years, but it seemed to kick off a series of events that had left me confused and a little scared. In February, on a Thursday night, I had a night where I could not sleep and I knew something was wrong. The next day, I called a bunch of people and no one knew of anything except my mom had also the same feeling of that same night. We thought it an odd coincidence and left it at that. A couple days later, I was at a customer's home and working on their cable system. I was in a bedroom by myself and the family was all outside moving things into their new home. This is when I heard a voice whisper in my ear, I'm watching you. I looked around and did not see anyone and walked out of the room to ensure no one was there. I hurried to finish my job and left. The next day, my uncle died from a sudden heart attack. My mom and I assumed this is where our feeling of dread came from. A few days passed and we went to his funeral and then to the family gathering at his home that evening. I was in a kitchen snacking on food and suddenly felt a tug on my shirt turned around and no one was close enough to grab my shirt and get out of the way without me seeing them. Not wanting to seem dramatic, I did not mention this to anyone there. 
The next weekend, I was at a hotel for work in a town about 200 miles from my uncle's home, and I had been there for four days. The final morning I was there, I had a movie on in the background and was packing my things. I was singing along with a song that was in the credits of the movie and turned away to turn off the, the TV and the heater in the room. The TV went to static immediately after the song and the line came on, I miss you. This is when I then went back to the movie. This had not happened the entire week and made me very uneasy. I watched the movie on demand that night again to verify that it did not happen intentionally. It did not. I can only believe that it was my uncle saying a last goodbye. Jumped to a few months later, nothing else had happened, at least that I had noticed. I went to work one morning, and as I excited and exited my vehicle, a man approached me and said he lost his brother. I laughed a little, thinking he meant it as he could not find him. He then said, no, I meant I lost him in a car accident. This made me feel very uneasy because people don't randomly tell you that they lost someone close to them. After a couple hours, I let it go thinking it was just strange, but that night I read an email from someone I work with. One of the employees died in a car accident that morning. My jaw dropped and a tear came down my eye. I do not know if it was a coincidence or some sort of spirit, but I am fearful for what will happen next. That's weird. I don't think I'd want to have that skill or that ability to feel dread before something happens. No, I mean, I think as human beings, we, we just kind of have that sometimes to begin with. Mm-hmm. So I think every time it would come on, I'd almost feel like there'd be something really horrible that was about to happen. And, yeah. You know, uh, for an anxious person, that's not a good thing to have. No. <laughs> you know, you'd be constantly like, oh my God, am I feeling anxious? Am I feeling dread right now? And it would just be this horrible, it'd be, it would be a horrible cycle. It'd be like where you, the depression and the infestation of ghosts, where it just keeps going and going and going and going and one feeds off the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they probably would eventually turn into something like that because it would just, ugh. Yeah. God. Interesting story, nonetheless. Though. What do you think the last thing was there? Do you think that was the ghost of the dead person? I don't know. I don't know if it was just a coincidence. Saying or... he lost his brother. Uh-huh. That's the thing that I'm kind of confused on. Because if it wasn't the employee saying his brother died, and he can't identify who it was, then I guess to the dead person, the dead person would have lost his brother. Because the dead person's gone. Get it? No, I'm confused. If the dead person came up to him. Okay. If the ghost came up to him and said, I lost my brother. Yeah. He did lose his brother. Because he's gone as a ghost. So he doesn't have his brother who's still alive. But he said he lost his brother in a car accident. That's true. Sorry. Just debunk that. Now. I don't mean to do that. I was just thinking you just said I lost my brother. I lost my brother. That's really weird. So I, who was it that came up then? It was probably the it was the brother of the guy that died who he read the company email and saw that that happened. Okay. That makes me think about Mary. <laughs> See, I was almost thinking that the person that came up was some sort of ghostly figure. But no, it was actually somebody no. coming up, and it was relating to his dread feeling. It's, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Thanks for explaining the show to me, Jenny Bruski. Sure. Anytime. I was taking it for a second there as that was a paranormal oh. person 
No, I think it was just him furthering his. Because it's a very strange thing to have someone come and say say that. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. No, I think he's trying to tell us about how, you know, that feeling of dread usually has something that confirms it. it. You know, when I read these stories, I have to, like, conversate about them afterwards. Because when you're reading them, you miss a lot of the details. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. You really do, especially when you're reading them out loud. I have to, like, you're, like, filling me in on some some of these stories. I finish reading them. And sometimes I'm, I'm somewhat distracted or I'm still thinking about the previous story that we talked about. And I completely, I couldn't even tell you what I just read yeah. sometimes. And I need to have that conversation that kind of brings me back into what the story was that we talked about. That or some of the letters we get sometimes have no punctuation <laughs> so at all. It's just impossible to read. It's just just trying to get through it. So You know, yeah. I've, I've gotten to the point with some of those too. And I'll just say this. Um when I get those, and I, I do skim them just like the first paragraph, just to make sure that they're readable. Yeah. When I get the ones to di- nowadays that are horrible and I cannot read, that do not have periods, that do not have paragraphs, uh, or or any form of punctuation or capital letters, you know, or just sentences kind of roll on, I delete them. Yeah. I don't even. I don't. I. I. I don't because there's so many folks who write into us that take the time to write a well-written letter and they are in backlog of we're trying to get to them, I'd rather go to the folks who've taken the time to really craft a good letter to us than try and decipher and make everyone listen to me trying to decipher these letters on air. So if you're going to write in, we thank you so much, but uh, make sure you just use a basic of punctuation and neither one of us have perfect grammar by any means don't worry about the grammar so much i mean it's just beginning and ending of a sentence i've had letters where there's been not a single period in like five pages just ah and it's like what the hell i'm amazed that people can even write Five pair, five pages of of copy. You know what I think that is. You know what I think that is. I think it's people doing the voice to text. Is that what it is? I think so. You can do that. You can say period. Yeah, but you have to you have to make a point of doing it. If you're just telling, do that. Do it. Do a period. But I cannot read some things with no periods or never proof or just just. Okay. Take a few moments. And if that's not your strong suit, give us a call. Give us a call. There's your yeah. There's the alternative. We have, we have two options for you. Right. And honestly, they've been getting better. They really have. I think we've been getting, because I think I've, they've heard me bitch about it before. Probably. But uh, we, there's a two options. If, if writing's not your thing, because I'm not a great super writer either, so I would just prefer to tell a story. So you can give us a call or write in, whatever you like. We want to hear your story either way. There's the two methods of sharing it with us. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in or write in on our website at Real Ghost Stories online more real ghost stories again for you on our next episode uh, tomorrow on the show my parents join us yeah we'll see about that that'll be spooky do you think your dad will do it uh yeah i think he'll do it he's uh he's on an episode not on this show it was in a different podcast it was when i was doing a food podcast a long time ago okay but uh, yeah i think they'll i think they'll both join us maybe we'll hear some stories i've never heard before and i'll go why didn't you ever tell me that okay uh We'll and it. then you'll get the, the classic, oh, you know this story. You've heard this story. Of course you knew that, Tony. <laughs> no. I didn't realize that there was a pentagram underneath my bed at the house growing up when you pulled the carpet up. I had no idea. <laughs> was there really? No, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
I got you on one. Yeah, you get, to, you get me all the time. I intentionally trying to do that. All right. Until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, this is Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.